Welcome back to our High Five, where we're gonna highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, we're celebrating Ariana and how God is moving in her life. This past Sunday, she was baptized at our Bedford Outpost and it was a beautiful celebration of her faith in Jesus. Way to go, Ariana. This high five goes out to you today. In at number four, One Church offers a great variety of small groups for people to connect in person and online. The holiday season can be really difficult to navigate when experiencing the loss of a loved one. So in holiday seasons, our group called Grief Share gathers to support one another and encourage us in the hope we have in Jesus. Grief Share meets next at our Manchester Outpost or over Zoom, Saturday, December 17th from 2.30 to 4 p.m. So visit church.one groups to sign up today. Here at number three, this past Friday, our Concord Outpost set out to enjoy the Concord Christmas tree lighting downtown. They were able to spread some major Christmas cheer, handing out treats and over 300 Christmas invitations to their neighbors. Way to go Concord for sharing God's love with your community. Here at number two, the Christmas season is here, and we're so excited to be having Christmas services at each of our outposts this year throughout Christmas weekend, December 22nd through the 25th. So check out church.one for your outpost times to join us for Christmas carols, a Christmas message, and to be filled with the holiday spirit. And finally, up at number one, Mackenzie attended our Brandon Outpost Sunday and found herself ready to respond to what God was calling her to do and be baptized. Her mom was right by her side to baptize her and share in this special moment. Mackenzie claims the truth that her identity is in Christ and we're all celebrating that with her today. High five, Mackenzie. Thanks for joining us for our high five and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Well, it's starting. It's starting. We're we're uh, we're getting there. And I know, like some seasons, it seems like it's too early. Like, is everybody ready for it? Everybody ready for the Christmas season? No, getting ready. You're getting ready. We're getting ready. Um, sometimes I think we can get caught up in a lot of the the craziness of Christmas, and it, it can be easy to to lose the ah, just the simplicity of it. To step back and I, I don't know if you get stressed. Anybody get stressed around Christmas, like trying to figure out calendars and, and presents, trying to get all the presents buying and decorating any, any house decorators, like, like outside? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody like you decorate? Do we not have any? We got some? No, no one. No one decorate. We got some. Okay, we got, we got a couple of decorators. Um, but sometimes we can, I mean, we can lose the simplicity of what Christmas is all about. <clears throat> Something I shared with uh, this morning services that I was thinking about. Um, for the past several months, there's been a memory verse that has been up on my heart, and it comes from James, and it says this, it says, you do not have because you do not ask. And I, I've thought about that for, for a long time, for, like I said, the past couple months, but even before that, of like, what are the things that I'm seeking God for, but I'm, I'm not asking? Um, and... Sometimes we can gather together right now for a service and we're not exactly sure why we're here, what we're doing, or how God might speak to us. And something that I think I've been convinced of is, Lord, Lord, we want you to speak. God, I want to hear from you today. 
Not, not through the words of a man, not from some guy on a stage, but, but God, I, 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 I've often prayed, God, I want you to speak to your people. Lord, I pray that, you, that we might hear you and, and, and not just like from our ears, Lord, something that you want to say to, to our hearts, something that you, and, and to, to each of us, like each of our lives, your life right now, God, God, what do you want to say to our hearts and, and to ask for that? God, let me hear you. Let me hear you today. So I'm actually going to pray that prayer this evening and I'm going to ask that whatever it is that like you've come in with today, whatever whatever worry or fear or, or excitement or joy, to say, God, I, I want you to speak to that. Lord, help, help us to hear what you want us to, to hear because I think God, I know, I know God's with us. I know that God's with us at this very moment and, and it would be very easy to do some type of like churchy exercise of listening to a message, but really what I want to do is listen to God and hear what he has to say to us. And so we all pray with me. God, I thank you for these people gathered here right now. And Lord, you are, you are a spiritual being who lives inside physical people, and that in and of itself is a beautiful mystery. And Father, you know each and every one of us. You know our stories. You know what's going on in our lives. You know the things that we're worried about. You know, um, you know the people that we're angry with, perhaps. You know the relational struggles going on in our life. You know our finances. Lord, you, Lord, you know it all. And... Lord, I know that you're a God who wants to speak to us. That you want to speak to us to, to the depths of our heart. And there's so much static and there's so much noise that can come in. Particularly in this season, Lord, there's so many things that we can think about. Lord, I pray that we might be able to like quiet it all for a moment and simply hear from you a message about, about the wonder of Christmas. And so, Lord, I pray and I thank you for my brothers and sisters here right now. And, and Lord, I pray that we might hear from you and... Um, that it might bring something that transforms us, that, that changes our minds and our way of thinking so that we can leave here as a people with hope and, and encouraged in you. And so, Lord, um, may you do your work. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, yeah, we're going through a series. We're starting a series as we go into Christmas about simply Christmas. And really what, what we're trying to do is to, to, in the midst of all the chaos and confusion that Christmas can sometimes be, is to, to be able to pull it back a little bit and say, okay, well, what is the Christmas story? And what is its, what is it, what is its significance? What is it, to see it in its simplicity, because it is, it is a very deep story. Sometimes we think that, that, that complicated is where all the depth is, but sometimes it's just the simple stuff. Sometimes it's in the simplicity. Um, because when you think about the Christmas story, there's something incredibly simple about it. It's a birth, it's a birth of a child, which you like, well, I, I know, I recognize, you know, if you're talking to moms, there's nothing simple about the birth of a child. But what I mean is there's, there's this, there's a simplicity in the sense of that, that children are born like every day, like probably at this moment, there's, there's children being born. And so it's simple in the sense of it's, it's ordinary. It's, it's, there's, there's something common about it. And yet, if you look at that simple thing, it is filled with significance, right? Like the birth of a child can be simple in, me, in the sense of that it happens, it's happening all of the time, but, but it's, each one is charged with significance as like a mom or a dad is like becoming a, a mom or dad for the first time. Or, or when you think about it in the cosmic perspective, when you think about a, a, young, a young lady, a young woman and a young man who are going to Bethlehem and, and man, it's just... It's like trying to figure out life because who knows how old they were at the time and there's no room for them at the end. And so, so now a baby's being born in like a, a, a stable, you know, to our best guesses. And, and, and he's, he's born and they put him in a, in a cattle trough. And there's something like, there's something amazingly simple about that, right? There's something simple, like, like simple about a, of a young family and 
what they're going through. And yet at the same time, it's like charged with significance, charged with power. Because when you think about the Christmas story, it is God being born into his created world. <laughs> like, like, Christmas is simple, but Christmas is deep. Like, like, like sometimes we overlook, like sometimes we're like born in like Christmas culture where, we under, where we've heard the Christmas story, but that is an insane story that the God who made everything entered into his world and he entered into his world as a little baby, like, 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 was willing to like sit, like lay in a cattle trough as this, as this infant. You're like, this is, this is strange. This is, this is weird. And I remember verse comes from Luke chapter two. And Jesus has been born and Mary has placed him in the manger in all of its simplicity of the moment. And then the, the camera pans to a field in the middle of Israel, middle of Israel. I picture it under like the starlit sky with a group of shepherds closing down for the night, maybe sitting around a fire. Simplicity. Simplicity. I don't know if it gets more simple than a group of shepherds in Israel at this time. But then all of a sudden, you know, the extraordinary pierces the simplicity of the moment and an angel appears to them and he says our memory verse. And so we're going to read this together. And, and as you do, like, like, like maybe you're afraid right now. Maybe there's things that you're afraid of and maybe you don't know where God is because we all hit that. I'll be honest, there's moments where we don't know where God is. We're like, God, I don't know where you are in my life right now. I don't know where you are at this moment. Um, and what God, I think, is often speaking to us is like, I'm right here and I don't want you to be afraid. And so Luke chapter 2, um, it's going to be up here on the screen. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. Read it with me because this is, this, is, this is like part of the heart of the simplicity of Christmas. This is what the angel says. Read it with me. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, the one that you've been waiting for. The one who has come to help, help has arrived, and help has arrived in this, in this little baby. There's a lot of things that we can celebrate right now. There's a lot of things that can get our attention. And maybe something right now has got your attention. Like in life, like it happens, right? It comes, it goes. Like a lot of things get our attention. But to be able in this season to come and say, okay, God, we want to give, we want to give this attention, Lord. We want, to give, we, we want to be able to stare at this Christmas story, at this Christmas message, and try to understand its meaning for us. Because Christmas is filled with meaning. And part of, one of, the, part of the meaning of Christmas, or one thing that Christmas holds meaning, is that, that Christmas means faith. That Christmas is this time of faith. Christmas is this time of, of, of God saying he is, he is with us, that, that God is for us, that God is, is present the presence of God is absolutely beautiful. Like, like, again, we might take for granted the presence of God, that God is, is present with us right now, that, that, that the maker of this world, that the maker of this universe didn't leave it, but that he is present. And, and even now, like whatever, wherever, where, I know you are where you are right now, you're right in front of me, but, but wherever you are right now in your life, God is present with you. He is with you in it. And I think as the angel will say, he's saying, I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to know who I am. I want you to trust what I have done. And I want you to trust what I've promised. And I want you to know that I'm, I'm with you in the midst of it. And I say, what kind of God is that that is with us? Like all of the time present with us in our, 
in our lives and our fears and our worries and all of this stuff. And so Christmas means faith. We put our faith in a lot of things. We put our faith sometimes in people. And that doesn't always work well. People ever break your trust in them? Like, we put our faith in ourselves sometimes, and that, that ends with me. Like, because sometimes I can have faith in myself, and then, I'm, then I do something stupid. You guys, you guys do something stupid? Like, I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm going to be the man that God's called me to be. You ever have those moments? I'm going to be the woman that God's called me to be, the mom, the dad, the, the, the husband, the wife. I'm going to be the, the person that God wants me to be. And you're like, oh man, um, man, I messed up. Any of you messed up? Like, oh man, I've got some mistakes along the way for Pete's sakes. And, and so if we put our faith in ourselves and, and you know, the Christmas season, we put our faith in a lot of other stuff. I was thinking about all the, all, all the stuff around. I was thinking about Christmas movies, to be honest. I was thinking about Hallmark Channel. Any Hallmark Channel Christmas people? Yeah, I figured there's got to be something. Like, and you're watching, like, faith that love is going to conquer all. Love always conquers all. And a cup of hot chocolate to top it off. Like, in all of those Hallmark movies, it's like, oh, man. If, so, so faith that you're going to find the perfect love and the, the, the man or the woman, they're going to just be everything you ever wanted. And so there's faith in that. I was thinking about the, the dumb thing that I thought of was, like, the faith to, to keep Santa's sleigh going. I noticed there's this theme. I used to think it was just in like the movie Elf, but this, it's like in other movies where, where Santa's sleigh needs the faith of people who believe in him to help his, his sleigh to fly. And there's always a problem because people are losing faith. And so you just got to have more faith so that, the, so that the sleigh can fly. If you could just have a little bit more faith. And so, man, those are none of the faiths that we're talking about in terms of Christmas. The faith that we're called to in Christmas is to know that there is a God that he sees us as we are, that he sees you completely, which on some level can seem completely terrifying, but at the same time, he loves you completely. And you think about that, you think about those moments when we feel unlovable or the moments when we feel like we don't measure up, or you go through moments of failure and mistakes and, or worries that we have to know that there's a God who loves us. Our, our passage for today is from John chapter three, Probably, we talk about simple. This is one of the, 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 um, one of the most well-known verses, particularly its reference in all of Scripture. I think it's even culturally known. If you've ever seen like at a football game or basketball game, people holding up a sign that says John 3.16. You've probably seen it somewhere, like, like in the movies or something. Someone's always holding up John 3.16. And it's this simple verse that is absolutely charged with, with significance, charged with all kinds of meaning. And so, um, Jesus is, is, in John chapter 3, he's talking to uh, a man named Nicodemus who wants to find out more about him. And what I love about Jesus is that he's always there. He's always ready for anyone who wants to find out a little bit more about him. He's always ready, like, to, to walk and to answer questions. And I thought about it. I, I, I often heard of it, and when I was running through it on Saturday night, last, last night, I'm thinking, man, I, this is Jesus talking to Nicodemus is like the person who doesn't know Jesus. Jesus is there to help answer some of those questions. But then I realized, no, he's speaking to someone who's known Jesus for all of their lives. And Jesus is always saying, I want you to know more of who I am. And so Jesus starts to have this conversation with Nicodemus. And then in John chapter 3, verse 16, John will... As he writes the gospel, the story of Jesus, the good news of Jesus in, in John, he'll say this beautiful verse, and it says this, For God, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever, 
Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And I thought about that in terms of Christmas, and I thought about, like, what is, the, what is the significance of Christmas? What is the purpose of Christmas? Like, what is it that we as the church are, are called to reflect in Christmas? It's this God who loves the world. You know, I don't, I don't know if we always communicate that very well, that God loves the world. Um, I don't always love the world. The world sometimes can make me mad. People can make, people ever make you mad? The world is made of people. People are made up of messes. And, and so it's very easy to write people off. It's very easy to overlook people. And sometimes it's kind of tricky. In the Gospel of John, in this, this, as John is writing, like sometimes he'll talk about the world as things that are set up against God. So he takes, talks about the world in a negative term. And it's like, you know, things that, that, you know, things that are not God's ways. And so it's like, you don't need to be a part of the world, but you know, don't, don't run after the things that they run after because the world's chasing the wrong things. And what can happen sometimes in the church, we can say, oh, we're not supposed to be a part of the world at all. We're supposed to not like the world. But then it's like balanced with this moment of, no, God loves the world in the sense of God loves people. And so I was thinking about this idea of for God so loved the world. It's not just that God loves the world. And so you think about the world and you think about your world and you think about people that you know, like people that you work with tomorrow. God loves them. God so loves them, which is, which is amazing. God, or, or people that you don't like. God loves them. Or people, people that you don't even notice, like people, people that like you would rather like not be within your community. Like God so loves them. God so loves the world. People that you are mad at right now, God so loves the world. Like, like that is like this thing of faith that God is a God of love, which is uh, praise God that he is, because what if he wasn't? Like, like he, he has free reign to do whatever he wants, but he is love. And so as a result, because he is love, he loves the world. God so loves the world. It's not just that he loves the world. It's that he so loves the world. And so what is that so love? He so loves the world that he gave. You, we go to a little Hallmark movie and we talk about love. And we attach love to an emotion in some way that we're feeling about someone or something at some time in history when they're not doing anything wrong with to us. And then all of a sudden they do something that we don't like and all of a sudden that feeling goes away or time starts to elapse and you start to realize that, oh man, the thing that I loved about them is actually the thing that's starting to drive me crazy and all of a sudden all of this emotional stuff. And, but when you talk about the love of God, you talk about a love of God that, that isn't just some affection. But it, it's an action. For God so loved the world that he gave. He, he did something. For God so loved the world that he gave. But he also gave it something that is great, at a great cost to himself. So when you think about love, you know, we as Christians, we're, we're called to love like Jesus. And you're like, okay, Jesus, I want to love like you. So help me to understand what love looks like. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son. In, in the sense of there was some type of, of deep real seated sacrifice in him giving of his son, his one and only son. But then it's like what he has given is like, so that anyone, whoever, which, ah, if I had to say like, like of the past few weeks, my favorite, my favorite word in John 3.16 is that whoever, so that whoever believes in him, whoever has faith in him, whoever can trust in him, because that whoever means a lot to me, right? Because I'm part of the whoever and you're part of the whoever. And because sometimes I feel like I'm the one who, who, who shouldn't be in. Sometimes I feel like, oh man, I've made some mistakes and messes and failures and maybe you know people who have made some mistakes and messes and failures and, and the God who loves the world so much that he would give his son gives it to them so that whoever believes in him. What kind of scandalous grace is this? 
Do you mean that anybody and everybody can experience and come into the love of God? I think that's what it's saying. So they shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so Christmas is about faith. It's this faith that there's a gift that's been given. There's a gift that's been given to you, to me. And it's a gift that we get to give, which is beautiful. Part of the beautiful message is like, not only do I receive the gift, but it's a gift that I get to give. It's why, it's why I, I want to grow in this and, and eat it and learn it and love it. But Paul will say that you and I, that we have the greatest message on the planet. Like to, to anybody. That there is a God who made them, created them, loves them, knows them, died for them so that they can find life in him. And now he says, now I want you to give other people that gift. To know that hope and life can be found in him. Because sometimes we try to earn it and sometimes we try to measure up and we don't always measure up. Christmas, is, Christmas means faith, but Christmas also means hope. And hope... In our, world can, in our world can kind of be fleeting. It's like it becomes a wish. Do you remember um, the Toys R Us wish list around Christmas time? I don't know, maybe, maybe some of you are young, like maybe you don't remember that. But anybody remember your, your parents would like give you the catalog and a, a marker and they're like, go in and circle everything you want. And you go in, I remember I would go in and I'd, be, I'd circle everything. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm just like, like I, give my, I give my daughter one, like my, my little, she's six, she just turned seven actually. And we'd given her like a th a, one of these magazines to, to circle and man, she circled everything. There's nothing she left out. But there's something I always knew when I circled those. It's like, I, I, it's hope, it's a wish, but I'm not actually sure if it's going to be fulfilled. And sometimes that's the, the way we operate is in, in Christianity. It's like, oh man, I hope this is true. Man, I hope God really loves me. I, I hope God can see me in the midst of my mess and love me just the same. But I'm not actually sure if that's what I deserve. Or I know actually that I really deserve coal. I really want these things. I really want this life. But what I really deserve is this. And I, I hope, I hope that the grace of God can pull me through. Christian hope is not some wish. Christian hope is this assurance that what Jesus done is sufficient. I don't know that I always operate in that assurance. Sometimes I hold on to the past. Sometimes I hold on to my, my past mistakes and failures. And there's this offer of Jesus to really set us free. There's this passage where it says, as far as the east is from the west, which as far as I can understand is pretty far from each other, so, has I, so have I separated your sin from you. And there's many times that I hear verses like that, you know, come, though your sins are like scarlet, I can make them white as snow. And there's moments where I'm like, man, I hear that. And man, I, I Americanized hope that's true. Oh, I wish that's true. And, and I think Jesus is saying, no, it is true. It is reality. It is hope. And so John 3.17 often gets missed, or we stop at John 3.16, but John 3.17 is, is perhaps equally as beautiful because it talks about why God came into the world, why Christmas even happened. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Because if you think about it, God shows up into his world, into his world of rebels, which I am one and you are one. God shows up into his world and he's all powerful and, and I'm all rebellious and he sees us and he sees us as we are. You would think, oh, 
this is a bad, like, this is a bad, like, this is a bad scenario. Like, here he is in all his glory. Here I am in all my mess. And here, here we are together. And now, like, I, who am I? Woe to me, I'm ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Isaiah chapter 6. It's like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I am, I am a mess. But what God does is, he says, that's not why I came. I came so that I could bring you life. So that you could find life in me. And can I tell you, I, th I think that's hope for your friends. I think that's hope for the people you go to school with and the people that are in your family. That we have a God who endured the cross. Such a strange story. God, as a baby in a manger, Weird. I don't care who you are. That's weird. God is a baby in a manger. That's weird. Surrounded by cows. and That's weird. God. I mean, the only thing that gets weirder is God hanging on a cross. That's weird. Dying for you and me. And where's the, where's the hope in that? Like, Paul will say in Romans chapter 8, like, if this is what God will do, if, if God will meet me at my worst and die for me, if God will meet me at my very lowest and send his son to die for me and be raised to life again, if that's the extent that he will go, then where will he stop? It's why, it's why Paul will say in, in that Romans chapter 8 section, he'll say, if God is for us, what can stand against us? And I would say that very literally to us as the church. My, my, I was going to say, my God, I hope we could understand this, that if God is for us, there is nothing that can stand against us. And so all these lies creep in and all this stuff creeps in, but, but he's forced. It says if he did not withhold his son, then how will we not also with his son give us all things? And that's where Paul will go on to this rant of, he's like, for I'm convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, nor, 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 nor great seasons or bad seasons, nor financial gain or financial loss, nothing can keep us from the love of God because he's the one who's gone all in all the time. And now we are his sons and daughters. And he's like, that God gives all things. And so... There's these questions of my life of like, what do I fear? Why am I so afraid? What do I worry about? And why do I worry about it? Where, where do I let other peripheral things come in and take the focus? Why not just let it be him? Christmas is about hope. And finally, Christmas means love. But Jesus becomes the definition of love. And it is not our simple, it's not our simple definition of love. It is this, I'm going all out, all in, for you type of love. It's why, I think it's John who says, they, or it might be Jesus who says, they will know we are Christians by our love. This is how they will know you to be my disciples, that you love each other as I have loved you. Like What Jesus sees for his people is a group of people who radically love one another. And when I say radically love one another, it's not the, the hallmark type of love of like, you're making me happy and therefore, and therefore I will make you happy as well. And when you're making me mad, it's all going to change because I see this in marriages and, and I see this in, in family dynamics and I see this in, in people that we like and then we don't like anymore, people that we can't forgive. And all of a sudden our love has some type of boundary to it and, 
And let me just say that that is not the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus is boundless. It doesn't have boundaries. It, and, and so in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul will say something like this. Like maybe you have all of your Christmas stuff together. Maybe your house is decorated really great. It's like decorated to the tea. It's the best house in the neighborhood. Maybe you have all your presents wrapped and, and ready and labeled. Maybe dinner is prepared and it is sitting on the table. Maybe you have got the, the outfit picked out and it, it looks great. Maybe you are like top of the line at your work or at your school. And, and what Paul will say is even if you have that all together and if you don't have love, It's nothing. And you think about the Christmas season and all of the stuff that we do and all of the ways that we hustle and bustle and hurry. And I think God wants us to come back to the simplicity of, well, what does Christmas mean? Christmas means love. And so Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13. He talks about what love looks like. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It is not envy. It does not boast. Love is pr not proud. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love, it always protects. Love, it always trusts. Love, it always hopes. Love, it always perseveres. What love looks like is the God of creation on his knees washing the feet of his disciples. And so Christmas, Christmas... When you think about what Christmas is in light of love, Christmas is patient. A simple Christmas, uh, maybe God's calling you to be patient. I, my guess is somewhere in that list of 1 Corinthians 13, one of these is going to stand out to you and you're going to be like, oh yeah, that's the one. That's the one that I need to work on. Christmas, Christmas is patient. Secondly, Christmas is kind. It's kind to the people around them. Christmas is not envious. It's very easy to get caught up in, in viewing ourselves against others and how we rate and rank among all of those things. Christmas, it's, love is not envious. Love, love is humble. Love does not boast. It is not proud. And so often it's so easy to get caught up in our pride. Love is, love is selfless. It doesn't seek after self. It doesn't look at its own interests, but it looks after the interests of others. Love is, I think, calm is next. It is not easily angered. Any of you easily angered? Any of you like prone to be easily angered like this Christmas season? Love forgives. Love keeps no record of wrongs. And I know, I know sometimes people are dummies and, and it's easy to get mad at them and there's things that are real that have had an effect upon our hearts. And so we kind of keep our own lists. We kind of keep our own naughty list as though we're, we're the ones who are the the judges over people. and I just think of the words of Jesus as he's hanging on a cross where he says, Father, forgive them for they don't understand what they, they do. And so there's this forgiveness that we can give to people that says, I'm not the judge over you, but I'm simply to call to love you with the love of Jesus. Christmas is, Christmas is beautiful and it's, on some level, it's, it's simple, but its simplicity is filled with complexity. In a similar vein, Jesus will be with his disciples and he'll grab like one of the most simple foods, a piece of bread. And there's something simple about bread, right? Bread's at a lot of meals, if you're lucky, if you're eating carbs. And you're like, like all right. Jesus will say, this is my body that's given for you. If you want to know what love looks like, it looks like 
it looks like your king come to earth giving his body for you. And he says, whenever you do this, may you do this in remembrance of me. So we do to our king. He takes the juice and he says, this is my body. This is my blood poured out for you. If you want to know, like, how much am I supposed to love my wife? How much am I supposed to love my, my husband? How much am I supposed to love my neighbor? Jesus will say about this much. Pouring everything out. Everything that you got for them. Like, showing the love of Jesus to them in every way so that they can see him in us. And so we take to our king. Would you all stand with me? <clears throat> Maybe you're here this evening and you just need some prayer. And you just want to come down to the simplicity of life and, ah, it's got so convoluted and so messed up and you've lost focus. We all do. We all have. We all will. Um, but maybe you need a brother or sister to pray with you. Luke will be down here. I'll be down in the front. And if there's any way we can pray for you, we would love to do that. Or maybe today's the day that you would like to be baptized into Jesus. You're like, I, I, uh, I don't want to go at it on my own anymore, but I want to be his. I want to be his son. I want to be his daughter. And so... The invitation is always there. The, the baptistry is filled and there's always an opportunity to say, Jesus, I, I, from, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, Lord, I, I want to be all in with you. Um, that opportunity is for you as well. We all pray with me. Father God, I thank you that you have spoken in the past by the prophets and apostles, but in these last days that you've spoken so beautifully and powerfully through your son. And Lord, I thank you that you speak through your church. And Lord, I pray that we might be a, a beautiful voice to the world around us. Lord, convict us when we have thought it was our job to bring condemnation, when in reality Jesus came not to condemn, but to bring life so that the world might be saved through him. Lord, may you take this message and may you use it in our personalities. Lord, help us not to try to be things that we're not, but simply who you've made us to be. And so my brothers and sisters who are here right now, Lord, you've surrounded them with people. You've surrounded them with family. You've, you've put coworkers around them and, and people that they go to school with. And Lord, it's no accident. And so Lord, I pray that you might speak and flow, Holy Spirit, through us. Lord, we thank you that we stand today in your grace. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
beheld his glory and the glory of the one and only Son comes from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's glorify him together, my friends. Let's sing this together again. Glorious and glory. Stay. 